So we're going to conclude today our series uh, called Follow Me. And uh, we've been having some fun. Today we're really going to jump off on a passage that I want to set up for you. Uh, it's written, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, and it's this moment where the author, Paul the Apostle, he's this guy that life was transformed miraculously, radically. He was a persecutor of Christians, and then his heart was transformed by Jesus, and he ends up being one of the most crazy followers of Jesus that is getting other people to follow Jesus. And it's amazing to watch his life transformation. He writes a ton of the New Testament of the Bible. That's like the second half. And uh, it's crazy to uh, watch his life. But here... He's instructing the church in this city called Corinth. He's instructing the church like how to worship together, how to gather together, how to do this thing called church. And we find him instructing them on things like, man, whether they're when to stand, when to sit, how to speak out in a service, how to share, how to pray, how to take communion together in an orderly fashion and sharing about how God is a God of order and all these different things. And in the middle of all that, there's this verse that he shares with the church of Corinth that he also shares to all these other churches in the course of his writings. And it says this in that 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, he's not saying stop following Jesus and start following me. Very much the opposite. He's saying for a physical example of what it is to follow Jesus, like follow my behavior. He even says in some of the other books, imitate me. Or follow what I'm modeling, right? Follow me as I follow, and then do the same for someone else. Allow your life to be followable. Is that even a word? If not, we can make it one, eventually, if we use it enough. No, he's showing us how to say, follow me, so I can show you how to follow Jesus. You can all follow Jesus. You can all follow Jesus. There's nobody too far from God. To follow Jesus. And that's beautiful news for everybody. I mean, there's so many people searching for purpose and life and hope and love. And what they need is to learn how to follow Jesus. Your faith is bigger than you. It is. Your faith is a demonstration for those around you to find faith. We've been unpacking this reality over the course of four weeks in this series, no matter where you're at in life's journey, God is calling you to follow. He's looking at you eye to eye, as he did with many of his disciples, and he's saying, come and follow me. And then we're going to look today at how he's commissioning us then to look at people in the eye and say, join me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now watch what can happen in and through your life. We looked at how God from throughout the course of scripture has given us opportunity to follow him. We've looked at how even when things are unexpected and there's interruptions in our life, God's still calling us to follow him. Uh, and how prayer is an integral part of making it through the turbulence of living, right? 
We looked last week at being a follower, what it is to be a follower and be connected to the, the vine of the, which is God, right? And how we can be connected into him and be these branches extended that bear fruit and, and uh, then be a good follower if you could, if that's appropriate, I don't know. And then today, we're going to look at how you could be a follower that allows others to follow. Something that's very interesting to me, and I think people say and don't realize how inaccurate it is, they're like, well, you know, faith is like, my faith is like a personal thing, right? So I'm not like, not going to like share it and stuff. It's like personal. I don't know if there's surfers around, so maybe they don't do that. Like, it's a bodacious faith, bro, you know? Um, but the, we literally did get kicked off a beach in Hawaii this last week, and uh, the guy was a total surfer, like, like lifeguard and he's like man these are gnarly webs like you're just gonna get crushed like this guy out here he chose to still go in but like he's just getting crushed and he used some terms I don't know what they mean so I won't use them because they may be inappropriate because he was like pardon my language after he said them but it was just like so funny uh and and, uh so there's those people out there so maybe maybe that's the case maybe there's some people sharing their faith in a gnarly way but um the the reality of this uh this, this faith thing is it's not a personal thing. It is personal, but it's way beyond us. Like, faith is this moment for us that, yeah, makes an inter- eternal impact. Um, it's unique how we are led to Jesus, but it's common. And God intentionally knew that all of our experiences in life, our story, our unique journey in life is common to someone else and probably someone else we're going to come into contact with during the course of our life so that our story is transferable to someone else if we'll just share it. And it'll make a world of difference. It'll really impact somebody's world for a long, long time if we'll not keep it to ourselves. Faith was not meant to be kept and potentially rob a generation of following Jesus. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be given away freely. So how do you help others know about Jesus? Do you share your faith? That's kind of what we're unpacking today. Um, If you're not sharing your faith yet, hopefully by the end of the day, you'll realize how you can. Our big idea is God has called us to be for people. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. You just said today's about following Jesus and getting others to follow Jesus. Yes, but that's just because God is for people. And we get to be his vessel to touch the lives of people. God is for people. Mark 1.17 says, Jesus called out to them, fishermen. He called out to these people and he said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. God wants us to fish for people because he is for people. All people. He has never given up on anyone. That's why he sent his one and only son to take our sin upon his shoulders, to go to a cross for for our faults and failures. That's what he did for us. He He needs you to be people aware. 
because he sent, he sacrificed everything for people. God loves people. And we're sent to impact people ourselves. This week, Billy Graham passed away, the ripe old age of 99. Amazing to see somebody live to the same digits, right? 1918 to 2018. That's crazy. Billy Graham, the evangelist, like you go onto his website and, and over his years of ministry, it says that he shared the gospel, the message of how there's hope in Jesus, life in Jesus. He shared that message to over 215 million people. Million people. That's crazy amount of people, right? In over 185 countries around the world. It's only like 195 countries, so you only missed 10. It's crazy. I did have to Google that. I'm not that smart. Uh, you know, he reaches out to millions more through radio and television that there's no way to track. But they do say just within the large gatherings that he would hold, at least 3.2 million people made a decision to follow Jesus. What a legacy. I remember my parents dragging me as a little kid to this meeting I thought was going to be incredibly boring. It was. But I, they took me to Seattle Center, and it was Billy Graham speaking. It was like in this, I don't remember all of it. I just do remember him dragging me there, and I was just like, oh, come on. I'm going to listen to a guy talk, you know. And, and it was Billy Graham. Little did I know what I was being exposed to and the seeds it would sow in my life. I did not make a decision to follow Jesus. I did not run down to... To, you know, confess Christ as Lord or anything at that. But it sowed a seed in my life that when I was 21 came to fruition. I mean, that's what the gospel is. A seed to be sown, right? And Billy Graham was so faithful to share that seed that would take root over the course of years. You'll not always be the one to harvest. That day, like, I was a soul in the room that was not harvested. But you will be and should be the one to faithfully, anytime you have opportunity, share that seed of the gospel. There's hope for you. God loves you. Here's how he's impacting my world. Billy Graham really preached a single theme throughout his entire ministry. There's hope for you. God loves you. He's for you. And he sent his son for you. So... Put your faith in Jesus. Like he just over and over and over. Uh, some quotes, you know, he was willing to share the love of Jesus with anyone who would listen. <laughs> if you have somebody who will listen, there's your opportunity. He was a sharer. He met with presidents, kings, queens, celebrities, everyday men and women and children. And no matter his audience, the message was still the same. There's hope for you. There's love for you. Uh, he, it, it says this. Uh, the message that he would share. Everywhere I go, I find that people, both leaders and individuals, are asking one basic question. This is what Billy Graham said. Is there any hope for the future? And my answer is the same. Yes, through Jesus Christ. What a legacy. Now, you might be thinking in your mind, come on, Thad. Like, that's Billy Graham. There's no way that I am to be like Billy Graham. That's way too lofty of an example. Really, though? Really? I mean, 
He wasn't a missionary's kid. He wasn't a pastor's kid. He didn't grow up in the church. He was a farmer's, a dairy farmer's son. God transformed his world. And he became one of the most fruitful evangelists ever to walk the face of the earth. So much so that the honor that is being given to him in our nation is like none other and well-deserving. He accepted the call to challenge people to follow Jesus and to follow him as he followed Jesus. He had experience in his life he knew that God would use to lead others to experience God's love, and he was just faithful to share it and watched how many people God aligned to that message of hope in Jesus. And one, one conversation became two, became a gym full, became coliseums full, and crusades that reached hundreds of millions. It's a pretty crazy, beautiful story. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that, so here's the, here's the reason, right? We can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, our faith is not just personal. It's personal so that we can find others experiencing the same scenarios in life and share openly and watch God do his thing outside of our control. Someone in your neighborhood needs comfort today. Someone in your workplace is wondering if there's hope for the future. Students, someone in your school is in a very dark place. And they're trying to decide if life is worth living today. You hold the love and the comfort of Jesus Christ if you've made a decision to follow him. If you've invited him into your world to be your Lord, you have more than you can imagine in your hands. Our nation, our country has a problem. And it's a gospel problem. People don't know Jesus. They don't know hope. They can't see the future. And I think that's on us. It's on us because we need to be sharing the comfort. We need to be sharing the love. How can you become a follower of Jesus who leads others to follow? We have three thoughts for you today. The first is, show people you care. Show people you care. Um, 1 John 3.18 says it this way, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Through action, right? I think we can take away all the guns from the bad people. We can fix every mental health issue in our country. We can even elect the perfect president that unites both parties, Congress and the Senate, so all the votes go perfectly to be the best scenario for our country, but that's still all defense. Until we start playing offense and showing love to people, there's going to be this hole in the human's heart 
that's just not going to be filled without Jesus. And we're going to continue to try to protect and hover and bunker down and in crazy ways that are unfathomable. What we need is people loving people. It's time to get back to playing offense instead of always defense. It's time we do something to solve the crisis around us. It's time we take actions that show love. Evil never wins over evil. Only love can do that. Sounds smart. Martin Luther King Jr. said it. It is smart. We can't think that our protests and marches are going to make the change that is needed through loving others people need hope they need love they need fresh life and that comes through faith in Jesus and a people following Jesus that are modeling how to follow Jesus and let him take all their weaknesses and mistakes and mess and bring it into something beautiful that's our like that's what we get to do that's why we have the Bible to shape us and man I, I was at uh, camp I went up on the final day of youth camp and was able to hear Ryan Brewer, the speaker that was there, share. And he had an illustration that I think is fitting for this thought um, today. He had this illustration about the white helmets. Have you heard about the people in white helmets in Syria and Turkey? There's an image coming up here that'll kind of show you who they are in a, in a visual. The white helmets are volunteers in war-torn area it's a mass of volunteers both men and women that go out and rescue those that have just had their houses exploded by by bombs and just ruthful ruthless violence they're um they're, they say on their website they're unarmed and neutral and what they're doing is they're running into danger when most people are fleeing it and they're marked as the safe people, you know, with the white helmets. They themselves lose their lives. 204 of these volunteers have, have lost their lives. But they've rescued 99,220 people to date. Men, women, children who were wounded. I mean, this is courage. This is action. This is care. In a very massive scale. But it does make you ask the question, what might this look like in my context? What does this look like in Bonnie Lake? What does this look like in Sumner or Ording? What does this look like in Buckley or Wilkeson? What does this look like in Lakeland Hills? What, how can I touch people in my world? How can I run in to make a difference? What is Jesus challenging me to run into to make a vivid example of the love of God. Do we pray those kind of prayers? Are we asking those kind of questions of God for our lives? Because I think there's world changers in this room. It doesn't take but a spark of an idea to watch God do incredible things through our life. Will you follow the Holy Spirit's lead when he shows you what steps to take when he shows you how you can follow him and lead others to follow in your footsteps. It's just obedience. 
He's just waiting and searching and, and, and wanting people who will follow him to the ends of the earth. John 15, 17, Jesus says it this way. This is my command. Love each other. That's, that's Christianity. Love each other. Thought two, live your life open. The foundation of open life is a verse in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. So, this is the heart of the Christian faith again, right? We're supposed to love people and we're supposed to love them so much that we'll share with them not just the gospel but our lives as well. Like, Let's get our hands dirty. Let's get involved in people's world. Let's allow ourselves to be exposed to the mess of life. Let's, let's invest ourselves beyond just being there and actually be there with love and care in our work, where we live, where we go to school. We don't want to live an obligated faith like, okay, God, I guess I have to share. <sighs> Right? That's not, like, it's more like, I am broken over this. God, help me do something about it. I, I think our nation's grappling for that. Especially with school violence. They're just like, what do we do? As followers of Jesus, God, what do we do? How, how do we face this? Pray safety over our kids. Pray for our principals, our teachers. God could speak to you in a moment, the solution. I know it involves sharing love. Loving the unlovable. Going after those that we just figure are the farthest away from the, the message of the gospel. They need Jesus so badly. Let's not be afraid of those who bother us. Um, who need us to put on our white helmet of faith and make a difference in their world. Our love needs to compel us to action. When we first started Open Life, a little over eight years ago, we decided, uh, like we talked amongst that core group of people, okay, we're not going to go through drive through windows anymore. It was one of the simple little applications, right, of how we're going to live our life open. Because if I'm locked in my car, if I'm behind the window, if I'm in the safe little piece of steel or aluminum nowadays, you're like, you know, what do I do? Like, I'm, I'm unreachable. I'm kind of just quick. I don't really build relationship. So we said, man, I, unless the health of the people in the car mandates it or I've got everybody, you know, in, in car seats and all that stuff, then, then I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to inconvenience myself, get out of the car, walk through the room, be present amongst the community in order to obtain like a beverage of my destiny at Starbucks. Hallelujah. Thank you for coffee. See, it's God giving us an opportunity to minister. So we're obligated to go to Starbucks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll just, one more cup for Jesus. Yes. Ministry. That's what he spoke to me. Caffeine, no. We, we have this opportunity, though. It's amazing what can happen in a line 
or while you're walking in and you bump into somebody, or uh, when you're out and about, what God can do. And uh, you can have these, these open life moments, if you will, when you rub shoulders with the community. Maybe they're, they're neighbors or, or teachers or somebody you know from a sports team your kids are in, but you begin to have dialogues with people that you wouldn't have if you're behind the protection of your window. I actually was really torn a couple weeks ago. I was at the ribbon cutting for, with my Chamber of Commerce hat on, you know, I was at the ribbon cutting for Walmart's new drive up, like they'll bring everything to your car for free service. You order it online, they give you a time, you show up, they put it in your car and you drive away and you never talk to anybody. Like you never even get to see the Walmart people, right? So that, that, you're missing out on a lot of fun there. But you just like, no insults, just reality. Uh, but, you know, you have this, this moment where you're like, man, how do I, uh, you know, ever meet anybody if all I'm going to do is be in my car the whole time and they're just going to drop stuff in it and I drive away. And then, you know, it's just so I was torn because I'm like, we're cutting this ribbon for something I just absolutely didn't believe in personally because I'm going to get out of my car and I'm going to go in unless like there's real ailment in the home and I don't want to con be contagious to anybody else or something and I understand if you've got eight kids in car seats it's easier to do that there's seasons in our life but that'd be a lot of kids in car seats but since we do believe in foster care it happens I imagine right get the minibus and you make it happen but I just I look at that and I go how do we meet our community and live life open if we're just always ordering all of our product online, going through drive-through windows, and I'm the first to go to Amazon before I ever go shopping. In Jesus' name, it's a gift from Bezo, you know. We believe in what God can do if we'll just get out of our house. In fact, it's like, what would happen if we had used the front yard more often? What would happen? You know, those are the challenges we need to think through when we're thinking about living life open. What if we would get involved in whatever volunteer opportunities presented themselves in our schools, in our community, in our neighborhood? What if we'd begin to join the dialogues on the Facebook groups in our housing development or whatever it looks like for you? Go to the library reading times, all these different things that exist. We often come home late from something we thought would take real quick. And I know our kids, we, they give us a bad time about it. thought you said it was just going to take a half an hour. Why was it two? Well, you know, I was at the store. And then I bumped into this person. Then I bumped into this person. Again, open life moments, we call them, right? These living life open moments. We're like, oh, and then, you know, somebody was there and they lost their keys. And I recognized, this is an old story, but, uh, you know, uh, Dana did this. Uh, somebody lost their keys. I recognized her and I thought, man, I think she lives in our neighborhood. Did you lose your keys? Yes, I lost my keys. Oh, well, I'll drive you to your house and you can get your keys. And then, you know, it's like there are unplanned moments where God allows us to live our life open and share love, care, hospitality. Do what Jesus would do. Interrupt your plans for an, an open life moment. I pray that we all have those moments. I pray that we go in, into our day, facing our days, looking for those moments. Like ready for those moments. How can I 
be a blessing to others today? How can I be a follower of Jesus that is worth following? How can I live my life more open? And I think that's what makes open life safe. I think that's what makes us a, a safe people, is we're willing to be open to anybody, to all. Following Jesus not as people who just shout proclamations at people and mandates on people and morality at people, but being a people who will just care and serve unconditionally and love unconditionally. Live a life that shares our life, not just the gospel. A life of love. A life lived open to all. Experiencing the adventures of faith. A life worth following. Thought three, share your faith. Like it couldn't be more of an obvious challenge that Jesus gave in John 15, verses 26 and 27, when he says, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me. Because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now he's talking to the disciples that had been with him. But what he's telling them is this. You've seen me. You've experienced me. Your lives have been impacted by me. Time for you to start sharing. And not just me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. He's going to be your strength as you share. But you're supposed to testify about me. You're supposed to share what's happening in your faith with others. You're supposed to not hide your faith. You're supposed to share the cure. You have the cure for cancer. You have the cure for violence. You have the cure for mental illness. You have this cure within your heart. Jesus. Jesus can bring about transformation if you'll carry that message with you wherever you go. Begin sharing the difference you're experiencing in your story. And you don't have to be a finished work of art to be a demonstration of the love of Jesus around you. In fact, imperfections are more approachable than perfection. Like, People don't need your story of perfection. They need your genuine openness that you would share your process of following Jesus. If you share your strengths, you impress people. But if you share your weaknesses openly, then you relate to people. If we allow people to see God touching our weaknesses, true impact happens around us. Because God isn't looking for perfect people. He loves people. All people, any people, that's what we've been challenged to do. No perfect people allowed, right? You just have to invite people along on the journey of faith with you. So our action thought is easy today. Invite people to follow you. Oh, wow, that's a big, doesn't that sound bigger than it really is? Like, invite people to follow you. What, what does that mean? Um, just invite them along for the journey you're on. Is that an easier way of saying it? Or if I wanted to make it two words that you could remember, join me. How much easier could it get than that? Join me. I mean, I'm learning about this thing called faith. You know, maybe you're still even just kicking the tires of faith. You're wondering what this thing looks like. That is an 
perfect place to be. And God is so excited for you to be here. But maybe you've been a follower of Jesus, but you've still just been keeping it to yourself a little, and you're recognizing that today, and you're going, man, this is a genuine moment for me to finally just say, okay, God, help me identify what you're doing in my life so I can share it. That's what testifying is. It's sharing your testimony, sharing what is happening in your world, because it's going to relate with somebody's world around you. It can be as easy as inviting them to church with that little three-by-three three invitation in your, well, it should be in your pocket by now, but in your worship guide, because I always carry one of these things around. It's amazing how many times I'm able to just simply say, this is making a difference in my life, and I think it'll make a difference in yours. I mean, it makes it really easy to invite somebody along on the journey. We're only five weeks away from the most invitable moment of the year, Easter. Moment where the church celebrates the death and resurrection of Jesus. That he came to life for us so that we could live eternally the gospel. And it's one of those moments people are open to an invite. Invite people to join you. Invite people who have been questioning whether there's hope for our future and our nation to join you. Invite people who've been just paralyzed with fear at sending their kids to school to join you. Worried about politics to join you. God's got this all worked out. We need to trust him. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for your week. And I want to pray that you would have eyes that would see and ears that would hear. Who is looking to you as an example who around you, to be able to see who around you is going, I wonder if they're really a Christian. Maybe they're looking to you and saying, I wonder if that church thing is really making a difference in their life. And that God will give you the words to say to invite them along. God, man, I thank you for everyone who was able to make it today. And I pray that, Lord, you would touch our hearts and our minds and give us a love for our community, a love for our neighbors, a love for our schools, our country. That you'll help us love people so much that we'll share not only the gospel, but our lives as well with people. We know you don't want perfection in us. You just want us to be open to begin to share what you're doing in our life. Help us to define that. That God, you would help us to, to put our faith in Jesus. We thank you for heroes of the faith to look up to like Billy Graham or the white helmets that are making an impact in war-torn areas. But Lord... Help us to see how we can make an impact right here this week in the world of those who look to us as an example. May we invite people to join us on this journey of faith we're on. 
may you begin to touch their lives. If there's some here who have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that they would choose you. They would choose to follow you. They would put their faith and trust in you and watch the transformation that can happen in and through their life in the community around them. You have a purpose for our lives. You have a hope for our future. Thank you for challenging us to follow you. May we do it faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. You can fill out the Connect card, either digitally or physically there. Turn it over, though, so you can share what's going on in your world. We want to pray with you. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that's one way of helping us. But, uh, man, we believe in what God is going to do in and through you. Debate what the next step is for you. Kind of respond to that as the worship team sings, and then Jaden will come and close us out in a second.